I have to admit I'm actually looking forward to drug commercials coming back on TV. <laughs> Only because that'll mean the political commercials are over. No, normally I am amazed by drug commercials. Because they begin with all of these things that these drugs can do for you. But then I assume to protect against lawsuits, the last third of the commercial is everything horrible that might happen to you if you take this drug. And yet the whole point of the marketing is, but take the drug. And I'm just fascinated to scratch my head and say, wow, what a combination. You know, this may help your ulcers, but your left hand may turn black and your, you know, your, you'll need liver transplant, but it may help your ulcers. And so we have warning labels. We not only on the drug commercials, but on our bottles and everything else, we have the warnings about these drugs and what they can do for us, but the side effects. Well, in a sense today, we're going to talk about the warning label for being rich. You may never thought about that, but I think it's very real and very needed. Last week we began a sermon series, and all of you parents of Partners in Praise, sorry. <clears throat> the stereotype is the church always talks about money, and here you are visiting, and what's the church talking about? Money. But that was scheduled by other people in other times. Last week we began a sermon series that's talking about how to be rich, not how to become rich. But if we are rich, what's that mean for us? And a big piece of what we looked at last week is the reality of, first of all, the good news, and that is that almost all of us living in this country are rich. In fact, we're probably in the top 3% of wage earners in the world, and if we earn 45000 a year or more, we're in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. And it's out of that abundance that we talk about the good news that we are rich in many ways. But we also looked at the bad news. And the bad news is that riches also bring challenges. And that if we are indeed rich, there are things that can be dangerous about being rich, even spiritual things that can be dangerous about being rich. And we looked about Jesus' challenge that being rich and doing it right being pleasing to God and having a fulfilling life is similar to a camel going through the eye of a needle. And that's part of the challenge of being rich. Well, today we want to look at some of that challenge and what is this danger? What warning label needs to be attached with being rich? Well, I think we need to begin because in a sense, wealth promises a lot. That's the first part of the commercial. If we are rich and we seek riches, and we admitted last week that most of us have a dream from when we were very young, boy, if I only could be rich, I hope to become rich. It is sort of the universal goal today. We want to become rich because it promises a lot. A little bit of audience participation. What, 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 why do we want to be rich? What do we think rich will bring to us? Security. Independence. Happiness. Power. Great. Oh, okay. 
we, we, we really could sit here for a long time and make a very long list because I think we look at riches and we see a lot can come to us if we become rich. And not that all of that is wrong or that's really not the danger. There is blessing and goodness and good news in being rich. And scripture does not, and we looked at that last week, scripture doesn't condemn being rich. It's how we're rich. And hence the title of the sermon series, How to Be Rich in the Right Way. I think it's out of that world addicted to the super rich. We, we follow them, we watch them, we look what they do, what they wear. I mean, how else can you explain our uh, addiction to Donald Trump? I, he, I think most of us would admit, and I'm sorry if there's some Trump fans in the room, but most of us would admit in general he's a pretty obnoxious guy who's pretty self-centered and arrogant. Why are we still fascinated with him? Because he's so blasted rich. We can't comprehend being rich like he is. And so we watch him say things and wear his hair and whatever and are amazed by him. I, sorry if I need to apologize to anybody here. But now we need to come to the warning label. That's what the drugs can do for you. But. Because the problem is wealth isn't totally honest. Like any sales pitch, you focus on what's positive and you try and play down the negative. But there is a danger in being rich and that's what we need to look at. Jesus talks about it. He tells a parable one day about four different soils and the condition of those four soils. And the whole point of that parable that he tells is God wants to do wonderful things in your life. And he is set, ready to do that. But it's not all up to God. Part of the point of Jesus' parable is that the condition of our lives, our soil, will affect what God does in our lives. If our soil is in a certain condition, God can do more, and if it's in a certain condition, God's going to be able to accomplish less. So there's a piece of it that's up to us, and what condition our soil is in, our life is in. Well, one of those four soils has to do with being rich. We read in Matthew 13, 22, the seed falling among the thorns refers to anyone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. The warning label. Jesus makes an interesting observation about wealth, and that is there is something about wealth, about being rich, that carries a deceitfulness. It's not fully honest. How it comes across at first doesn't match what comes later. And that's the warning. There is a sense in which wealth takes over so that we lose control. Jesus makes an interesting observation over in Matthew 6 where he says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he concludes, you cannot serve both God and money. 
I used to think that that was like, God won't let you. God won't share you. But I want to throw out another way to look at that verse, that warning of Jesus, and that is the truth that if you try and serve money and God, money will take over. Because it is so powerful, it is so addictive, if that is our focus, it's virtually impossible to focus on both. And we will end up having to choose one or the other. It consumes our life. What are the signs of addiction? What are some things to look for? We know what to look for for alcohol addiction or chemical abuse, pharmaceutical addiction. What about money addiction where it's taking over? Well, if you ever start catch yourself saying things like, this car, i got to trade it. There's a new one out. And it's only two years old. Or if you catch yourself saying, my clothes are so last year. And I need new clothes. Once you learn that there is something newer or bigger. I have a perfectly good smartphone. It's not the newest, but it's relatively new. I made the mistake of stopping by Best Buy on Thursday, my day off, and I looked at a newer one, a different operating system, and all it could do that mine can, and suddenly this piece of junk that I have for a smartphone, I need a new one. That's the language of addiction. I need one more. I have 20, but I need one more. Whatever the more is. Some of us guys, I mean, it is almost deer season and guns. We would never talk that way, would we? I need one more. Money takes us out of control. It takes over. And that's, in a sense, the warning of Jesus. Riches lead us to places we don't want to go. And that's, I think, what we want to look at today. Not that we want to go there intentionally, but once we focus on them, they take us someplace that we never would have chosen to be. Last week, we spent a lot of time in 1 Timothy 6. And we looked at the financial advice the Apostle Paul gave from the Antioch Stock Exchange floor. Well, there's one other verse, one other piece of advice that St. Paul, the stock exchange advisor, wants to give us in 1 Timothy 6. If you look over there in verse 10, he gives this warning about being rich. If you're successful in what you have, there is a warning. It's that warning label we don't like to talk about. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. In fact, some people eager for money have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. The warning of Paul is if you focus on being rich, if you focus on getting rich, you need to understand that that's a dangerous path you're walking down. Because one, it can pull you away from God, and that's what Jesus is warning us about. 
But the other thing Paul says is that it can also cause us a lot of pain. And I want to look briefly at three ways focusing on being rich can bring pain into our lives, that grief, the warning label. The first one is you never have enough when you're focused on riches. It is, in a sense, a no-win game. There's a quote around, I assume it's accurate, of the original Rockefeller who became so incredibly wealthy, and he was asked, how much money do you need to be satisfied? And he said, the next million. You always need more. And that's part of the pain of focusing on being rich. It is a zero-sum, it is a no-win game. Solomon, who was, can I say, the Donald Trump of his day, and by that I mean he was incredibly wealthy, he was the wealthiest man on earth in his day, not just his nation. He had everything, and here is his observation about being rich. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless, a fog. It doesn't make sense. But that's how life is. And that's his warning. Part of the pain that focusing on getting rich brings us is that we'll never make it. We have a goal that will always move and never achieve. We looked last week. Very few of us would look at ourselves and say, I'm rich. Because we always know somebody who's richer. And so we'll say, they're rich. I'm not. Because I don't have enough yet. It struck me, if my goal is to be rich, I'm like a greyhound at a racetrack. I always feel sorry for those dogs racing in the Greyhound racetracks. Because there's that mechanical rabbit on an arm on a metal track. And the guy up in the control tower is controlling it so it's guaranteed you can't catch the rabbit. And that's why they run. And every day they run around the track never catching the rabbit. Solomon says... If we choose to focus our lives on becoming rich, we have a running like a greyhound. And we'll never catch it. So that's part of the pain that Paul warns us about if we're focused on being rich. But there's another danger in being rich, and that is you will have a lot of stress. This same Solomon over in Proverbs says an interesting thing. It is better off to have a little, to not be rich, with the fear of the Lord, than great wealth with turmoil. I like how the message paraphrase puts it. A simple life in the fear of God is better than a rich life with a ton of headaches. But the reality is, that's what happens when we become rich. Look at our lives now. Being rich hasn't made life simpler, has it? We are rich. We have our stuff, our own cars, multiple cars, lots of clothes. But all of that stuff that we have and enjoy as being rich 
it also complicates our lives. It adds stress. There's things we have to worry about. Insurance, costs, maintenance, busyness, taxes, and on and on and on it goes. And everything we add, a new hobby because we can now afford it, uh, a new experience or whatever, it just further takes away from the time and we can't add time. We've all tried. And now that 24-7 phrase haunts us. And why are we out of time? Because we can do so much. And we have so much. And it's added stress to our lives, not peace, not calmness. The people who have lots of time, they're the people in a third world country sitting around their bonfire saying, hey, life's simple. We're not better off necessarily because we're rich. So there's two parts of the warning label so far. You never have enough. And being rich will add turmoil to our lives. The third one may surprise you. If I become rich, it really makes me not generous. It makes me like Scrooge. I think about Scrooge, the, one of the lead characters in Dickens' A Christmas Carol. He is incredibly wealthy. He has more money than most, and yet has that produced a generous spirit in him? Of course not. And part of the whole plot of that, that piece, that play, that novel, is how greedy, how much he needs to hold on to everything he's got. That's really counterintuitive, isn't it? A lot of us sit and think, if I became rich, I could really help a lot of people. And, and we talk about, if I could win the lottery, man, I'd help these people and these people and this cause and this cause, and I would be so generous if I were rich. Research, statistics, says that is not true and that would not happen. Do you know who the, the poorest givers in this nation are? The richest. Statistically, analyzing percentage, or, uh, you know, accessible wealth and giving away some of that wealth to help others, those who give away the least of their wealth are those who have the most. And research says that the most generous people in this country are not the richest, in fact, the poorest. And that they are the ones who are more willing to help and give and that's part of the, this third warning about becoming rich. The danger in that is I focus on my riches. It is important to me. And as soon as it becomes important to me, then I want to hold on to it. Because I'm not rich enough, remember. I still need another to be rich like him or her. And so I need to hold on to this so I can become rich, even though I already am. And so that leads me to a place where I am less generous. The happiest person in a Christmas carol is not Scrooge. It's Bob Cratchit, who could care less about giving away everything he's got. And he makes almost nothing, 
and immediately spends it on his family and his kids and helping everybody around. But the point of that play is who's the happiest in that play? It's not the one who has everything and holds on to it. It is the person who gives it away. And that is the additional challenge of being rich. We miss the joy of blessing others because we're holding on and we want more. There are two kinds of rich people. And though it makes us uncomfortable, most of us in this country really are rich. We have much. And we are blessed with much, and there's so much around us. But there are those who handle their riches well. It doesn't become uh, uh, something that takes over their life. They don't try and see in their riches their source of happiness. But they see those riches as something that is a gift, not only to be enjoyed, but to use to bless others. And that's why God makes us rich. But we need to face that warning. And that was, in a sense, the purpose of today's sermon. To face the warning label about being rich. That there can be bad things that happen to us. Next Sunday, we want to look at the other side. How is the good way to be rich? Rich in a way that is a blessing to us that we enjoy, but rich in a way that others enjoy and that God looks at us and says, that's it. That's why I wanted you rich. That's how to handle all that I've given you. We're rich. We have to decide how we will be rich. Let's pray. Father, thank you for all you've given us. Whether we have a lot or a little, the truth is we are rich. We have so much. And we thank you for that. But there is danger in those blessings. How we handle being rich. Help us see that danger. We need to face that. And then help us learn how to be rich in a way that fulfills us and others and causes you to smile. Thank you for letting us be rich, live in this country, have all we have. Help us handle it wisely. In your son's name, amen.